Good evening. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be continuing um, our Acts of Courage preach series, and I'm going to be following on from where Santino left off uh, from last week. Um, if you remember from last week, San uh, preached about the man who uh, was, uh, was um, crippled from birth. He'd been unable to, he'd, he'd never been able to walk, and uh, after 40 years of that, Peter and John had been on the way to the temple. Um, they'd come across him. He'd asked them for money. They didn't have any silver or gold, but what they did have... They said to him, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this, there was a tremendous um, miracle that took place that had a deep impact, actually, on, on people who were going in and out of the temple because he was such a well-known guy. So many people um, knew him and uh, had come across him um, that it caused quite a stir. And they spent the next couple of hours um, explaining why and what had happened and how this man had been made whole. I mean, it was quite a remarkable, um, quite a remarkable um, story. The bit I've got is a bit after that with the consequences of their actions and uh, what happened as a result of this um, incredible miracle and what followed on from that. And so uh, this evening, I'm going to be looking um, at the whole subject of from fear to courage. So if you're taking notes and you want to put a title down, um, it's a title I'm using, so hopefully it'll be uh, helpful to you. And I want to um, kick it off, um, the preach this evening, with a quote. And it's a quote by a man called Nelson Mandela. (laughs) Not Nigel Mandela, as I said this morning. A quote by, (laughs) I nearly said it, Nelson Mandela. I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. I'll let that just uh, sink in for a bit. I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. And I think for many of us who are here this evening, if you're anything like me, you can so often in life be more aware of your fears than you are of courage. They're they're the things that you wake up thinking about. Or if you wake up at night, they're the things that fill your mind. In fact, sometimes I believe, you know, once we see fear start to stir, we feel that any hope of courage is completely lost. How how can you have courage if you're feeling so much fear? But this evening, I want to communicate from this passage that that isn't the case. That actually, the seedbed of fear is a great place for courage to grow. It's a great opportunity to prove God and to see what he wants to do. And as we look at this passage that Maddie's going to read in a few moments' time, we're going to see, I don't, I don't believe that Peter and John, and they're, they're the guys we're going to be looking at, I don't believe that there was an absence of fear when it came to them. I just believe that in, in an environment that was very oppressive and very difficult, they'd learn to trust God and see courage grow. And I believe there are lessons that we can learn for our own lives. So we can be men and women 
who learn what it is to grow in courage, learn what it is to grow in faith and prove God in the circumstances of our lives. As we look at the passage, and it's uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 31, I'm going to look at it under three headings. First one is leading by example. The second one is the source of their courage. And thirdly, it's stepping into courage, which is a much more practical part to what I want to say. So, Maddie, do you want to come up and, uh, with your great eloquence, can you read uh, these 31 verses? Now, it's quite long, but I think... I. I need them to be read because it sets the context of everything we're going to be talking about. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, who were all of the priestly family. When they, and when they had set them in the, when they had them set in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, If we were being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone of what was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing before him, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of, the pe- because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were, and all, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Thanks, Maddie. Brilliant. I mean, I know it's a long passage, but it sort of sets the context. Now, just before I do the three points, um, something I want you to do. So I want you to reach out your hands and pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you. Does that sound all right? I get the better deal, but that's just how it goes. So you're right to do that. So just pray that God will anoint me and fill me with his Holy Spirit, and I'm going to pray that you're going to have open, receptive hearts, yeah? Cool. Lord, I pray for these guys that they will have open and receptive hearts to receive your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fall upon us this evening. And I just pray we have a wonderful time together looking at this passage. I ask that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So my first point is leading by example. I tell you, when people do something courageous, it's catchy. Do you know, when you, you hear stories of what people have done, it makes you think, wow, wouldn't it be really cool if I could do that as well? It, it causes us to step a bit further than we've been before. And so what we've got here in these 31 verses is this incredible example of these two men who with stuff really stacked against them. I mean, the circumstances are so stacked against them, it is unbelievable. And we know, don't we, that Peter... We know that Peter isn't naturally a bold man. You know, we'll come to that in a minute. We don't know about John. He might have been a bit bolder, but Peter, we know for certain, wasn't naturally bold. So let me just repaint some of this picture for you in case you didn't pick it up when the verses were read. So on the back of them communicating about this great, wonderful miracle, the guards arrest them and they throw them in prison. This is no night in a premier inn. You know, you do not get a refund if you didn't sleep well. I imagine that Peter and John would have been up most of the night worrying. I doubt they would have got much sleep. Uh, uh, You know, in the dark, I I guess there would have been a whole load of unsavory characters in there as well. This This is not a good place to spend the night before you stand trial. If you want to be thinking clearly and you want to get everything together, I, I imagine this is uh, pretty adverse circumstances for them. I bet it didn't sort of fall from their mind either that the council that they were likely to stand before the next morning was the very same council that Jesus stood before just a few weeks earlier and he was sentenced to be crucified. So in the darkness, in the fear and the worry, I wonder if they were thinking, this group of guys, Jesus stood before just a few weeks earlier and it didn't turn out for him very well. I wonder if mixed in with that with Peter was the whole fact that last time he was ever accused of anything by a servant girl, he ran away. What chance did he have in front of the council? A council full of highly educated, well-trained lawyers and Sadducees And the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. 
So the whole center of their message is that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Well, you've got a whole load of really educated, clever guys who don't even believe that the resurrection can take place. And these are the guys they are going to go and stand in front of them. Seventy members, mainly Sadducees, a few of them Pharisees. I want you to imagine, if I told you today, tomorrow I'm going to take you up to the Old Bailey, the courts in London. There's going to be the top judges of the land are going to be sat there. The best prosecutors I can find. And their aim is not to find out the truth, but it is to control the situation and, if possible, find you guilty. That is their ambition. That is what they want to do. They are the judge. They are the jury. They are the prosecutor. All part of the same group. That's what they're looking for. You know, they said in the text, look, we can't deny a miracle's taken place. They even confess that. We can't deny this great miracle's taken place, but, but, but we can't back it up. We can't go with it either. They, they, they're just looking to control the situation. And it says about Peter and John, they were uneducated and common men. They weren't fools, but they didn't have any religious training. They didn't have any of that legal training. How could they stand I mean, I don't know if the Apostle Paul, who later wrote a whole load of the Bible, would have been in this council or not. I don't know. But he was like the top legal mind. I wonder if he, if he hadn't been there, he would certainly have heard of what was going on, I'm sure. This council was the highest court in the land. And not only that, they had Annas there, who's described as the high priest, but he was the father-in-law to the high priest. It's sort of like a title for life. Caiaphas was there, who was the present high priest. And then even John's there, who will be the high priest after them. So it's like you've got the high priest royal family. They're all there as well. I mean, it is, it is stacked against them. No sleep, chucked in prison. They're out to get them. They're not interested in the truth. If there's any situation where you think fear would be a natural consequence of what is going on, I would say to you, this is it. But, wow, their boldness. This is what I think it's Peter says this. So he's talking to them. Can you imagine? There's about 70 of them, so I reckon there's just a few less than are in this, this place now. So you can imagine Peter standing up, and this is what he says to them. Let it be known to all of you. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Wow. I mean, he doesn't, they don't hold back. This is, this is the truth. Let me clearly and boldly proclaim what is true. They're, they're on trial, as it were to give an account for what's gone on. They, they preach the good news about Jesus. You know, you could get a response on the back of this. I mean, it's, it's completely the other way around. And when they're threatened, right at the end of the trial, when they're threatened, they think, look, we can't do anything to them. We're just going to have to let them go. But I'm going to threaten you that whatever you do, you must not say any more about Jesus. And you think, well, hey, look, guys, look, whatever you do now, just be quiet. You're off the hook. You're going to get out. They don't even then. They say, but Peter and John answered them. 
whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. These guys were incredibly courageous. Now, I want to put it to you. I don't believe that there was an absence of fear. I don't think that they sat the whole night in prison and doubts didn't assail them. But what I can say is they were incredibly courageous. Let me take you back to that quote by Nelson Mandela. I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. And these guys triumphed over their fear with incredible, incredible courage. What an example. So what was the source of their courage? Where did their courage come from? It says in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. What does it say? And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. No formal training, standing in front of the clever, some of the cleverest minds in the highest court of the land. How on earth could they ever stand up in front of them and give an account for their actions? They could because they'd been with Jesus. First source of their courage is that they had been with him. I guess it was something about how they handled themselves, about what they said. Maybe it was the authority they spoke with, the clarity of their message. We, we know that they were incredibly bold. Maybe there was an inner peace that, that came out as they spoke. I don't quite know what it was. But what, these, what the council knew was that these men had been with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, it's noticeable. When you spend time with Jesus, it's noticeable. You know, you'll often hear from this platform, we'll encourage you to pray. We'll encourage you to read the Bible. We'll encourage you to worship. And, 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 and I won't back away from encouraging you to do those things, but the reason we encourage you to do those things is why? So that you would encounter Jesus that you would meet with him. My, my ambition when I come on Sundays, whether the morning or the evening meeting, do you know what my, my ambition is? Is that I will encounter Jesus Christ. That I will give him my best in worship, that I will pour it out, whether it's singing or my funny jumping up and down or my putting my hands in the air. I will give him my best and that he will rush in and meet with me. Do you know my ambition for all of you? 
is that Sunday by Sunday by Sunday that you will encounter Jesus because you cannot encounter him and remain the same. You can't. Peter and John had spent three years with Jesus. They had walked with him. They'd spoken to him. They'd listened to his teaching. They'd worshipped him. They'd learned how to pray from him. They'd done life with Jesus and it had changed them. It had rubbed off. They didn't look just like Peter and John anymore. Do you know what? They started to look and sound like Jesus. And if we do the same, do you know what? We start to sound and look like Jesus as well. And that is the best thing that can ever happen to you because you're going to spend eternity with him anyway. The Bible says it, that as we gaze upon him, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. We, we, we get to look like Jesus. I don't know what the challenges and the difficulties you are facing. I don't know how big the disappointment is or the fear that plagues you. But if you want to see breakthrough in it, the first thing is non-negotiable is you need to spend time with Jesus. And if I was to ask you when you last spent time with him, and we'll exclude the last hour, what answer would you give me? Please don't say that it was last Sunday. No wonder you're still cowering under your fear if you've not learned to connect with Jesus, the source of your life. He's there. That's why the Holy Spirit's been given to us, to make our relationship with Jesus real. That Jesus said, I'm going to send you another counselor just like me. It's good I'm going away so I can send him to you. That's Jesus Christ. No, that's the Holy Spirit, sorry. He'll be, he will be with you forever. He will come and make his home within you. Christians don't grow maturer just with the passing of years. They grow maturer as they connect with Jesus Christ. But if I can be so bold, actually that isn't enough on its own. You see, because Peter had spent three years with Jesus, but when faced with a servant girl, he ran away. What, what had happened between the servant girl and this account here was that he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had been empowered and equipped with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, our town is wonderful. I don't know if you, I, I, I really enjoyed the video. I thought you guys did great with the video. I love listening to you and seeing all that artistic running and all of that. Really, really good. But what I also thought was what a beautiful town we've got. What a beautiful, you know, you like the, the, whatever it was you did, the effects or, the, or whatever it was. It, it was really cool. But, but we live in a, a, in a beautiful town with a whole load of people that need Jesus. But we cannot do it on our own. That's why the Holy Spirit is available to empower us and equip us to witness effectively. The very thing that opened the door up to the gospel in this instance was a gift of healing. Something miraculous happened. It wasn't Peter and John had done a course on how to heal someone. They were men who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They stepped out in obedience to his prompting. They prayed for this sick guy and he'd got healed. I don't know if any of you can do healing without God. I don't know if that's a yes. <laughs> but we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit as an empowering and equipping to witness effectively. We're not just left on our own. We are given power to do it.
Do you know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Again, let me say to you, if I can, with all due respect, not as a one-off event. Don't tell me the date in 1985 when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell me if you want when you were last filled with the Holy Spirit. When did you last say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me, empower me, give me boldness to witness, give me gifts of healing to pray for the sick, give me courage? Again, I'm not saying these things. I don't want to make you feel bad. Well, that's maybe not true. What I want you to provoke you to do, what I want to provoke you to do is to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What I provoke you to do is to wake up tomorrow or before you go to bed tomorrow and say, I'm going to connect with Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to read the Bible. Yes, I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. But why? Because I want to connect with my Savior. I want a real, tangible relationship. And as I rub up against him, I start to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source of our courage. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be courageous. And lastly, I just want to really finish in a sense with, well, how do you step? How do I step into courage? Because courage is something that we can grow in. Courage is, is, is not just something static. It's, it's, it's every single one of us can be more courageous next week than we were last week. It's possible. For us to step out, to make a change. For me, on the back of this preach series, I was provoked, and I think God was stirring me, about, Paul, how are you going to be more courageous? What are you going to do? What, what is it that I really don't want to do? And what I came to the conclusion, I think, well, God prompted me in this whole area, was... I find it really hard to talk to people about Jesus outside of this building. You know, like in this building, it's sort of like, well, I suppose it's my job, so I'd best do it, hadn't I? But outside of the building, I find it really, really hard. And I thought, well, how am I going to put that into practice? Because I don't really have many friends that aren't part of the church. I I don't have that opportunity. Um, And I felt prompted that what I need to do is to go into town and approach some strangers I don't know and talk to them about Jesus. And so that's what I did a couple of Fridays ago. This is a piece of cake. Standing up here talking to you friendly, well, most of you are friendly, is a piece of cake. Ah, I died a thousand deaths doing that. But I put some of these steps that I'm going to say into practice on the journey, and I just want to encourage you. you your, your acts of courage will be very different to mine. I know that, because we're all wired differently. But God calls us to be a faith-filled, courageous people. The first thing I notice, and it's the last nine verses of this passage that Maddie read out. In verse 23, I find that these two guys, Peter and John, shared their story with the church. They shared what had happened with the church. And if you're facing obstacles that are too great to overcome, I think one of the best things you can do is share it with other people who love you and can support you and pray with you and stand with you. That's what I did. 
So I found some people I thought wouldn't say no to me and said, I'm going into town, will you come with me? And so Natalie and Joe and Janair and Tamara, we all went into town. And if I'd been left on my own, I'd have never done it. I'd have found a thousand excuses as to why I wouldn't have done it. But, but we booked the date and I thought, I can't be the one that bottles it and doesn't go in. So, so we're going. So we filled the car up and we went in. And you, this is just, you might think, well, this is such a simple point. But I think it is key. That's why God's put us in church that we can support one another. And if you are facing obstacles of hopelessness or fear or whatever they might be, one of the first ways to overcome that obstacle is just to share it with someone who loves Jesus and who can stand with you in prayer, encourage you, maybe even go and do something with you that breaks that obstacle down. So they shared it. It's also interesting as well that Peter and John led by example. So if you're a leader here, there is nothing more powerful than just stepping out and leading by example. You'll find you stir other people's faith and they want to come with you. So they they did that. Secondly, they remembered. If you look at verses 24 through to 28, basically it's as though they preach to themselves. The early church preaches to themselves and they look at the character and the attributes of God. They look at the fact that God is sovereign. They look at the fact that um, it was already pre-prophesied that persecution would come. That gave them strength. They looked at the suffering of Jesus Christ. They, they picked out some of these things. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm praying about things that worry me, all I do is worry a bit more. Well, well, these guys, the early church didn't do that. They started to worship and praise God. And they filled their minds with who God was, not with their fears. And I think secondly... We need to be men and women who know how to preach to ourselves, to tell us how wonderful God is, to tell, remind ourselves of his faithfulness and his strength and his power, and that he will never let anything um, happen to us outside of his control. Not even a hair from your head will fall to the ground without him knowing it. And as you remind yourself of God's great attributes, as you worship him, as you learn what it is to push through and praise and worship, although it hurts you'll find faith and courage start to grow on the inside. I guarantee it. Thirdly, they prayed. They prayed for two things to be an effective witness. They prayed that they would speak with boldness and they prayed that God would go before them and do miracles. A story I've just got to tell you. Um, When we went out on on the streets. Um, We prayed beforehand for boldness and we prayed that God would give us some words and knowledge before we went so that as we approached people we could see maybe if God had gone before. Had God opened a door into their lives? Janair had a couple of words um, or a couple of names. He had Steve and he had Doug. So he had two names and I think someone else had something about a pain in a shoulder and there was a whole load of different words. Anyway, we were just finishing our time. We didn't, by the way, we didn't go stay for long. I was too afraid for that. We stayed for about 45 minutes. But as we were finishing, um, Janair and Joe uh, spoke to this guy, and he was sat outside of the bakery. And as he was chatting to him, he found out that his name was Steve, his dog's name was Dougie, and he had a pain in the shoulder. And I, I just think it's incredible God even knew the dog's name and told 
told us that so that when we were speaking to him and praying for him, we just knew a confirmation that God was in it. How cool. I mean, I'm disappointed you came up with Doug and not Dougie, but you can do better next time, okay, Jeanette? It's good to pray. We need, we need more of the miraculous, don't we? We need God to stretch out his hand and perf- perform miracles and do wonders and healings. And we know not everyone gets healed. We know actually, in, in, if I'm honest, in our present day where we're at now, more don't get healed than do. But, but we keep praying. We keep seeking God. We keep pushing into it. We see it in the Bible. We've been commanded to go and do it. So we push in. We take courageous steps and see what God will do. Again, leaders, I want to encourage you to do it. Don't just leave it to San or Simon T to come up and uh, share a word of knowledge and pray. What about you? What about your courageous acts? I'd love to see on that board over there that some of you have written before next week that you prayed for someone who was sick just because you felt prompted by God and you went for it. Or you shared about your faith in Christ because you had that opportunity just for you to step out the boat and go for it. And in some ways, it doesn't really matter how it goes. It's that you're obeying God's voice and stepping out in obedience. Fourthly, they were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd been filled in Acts chapter 2. In actual fact, the apostles had been filled at the end of the Gospels. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were filled in Acts chapter 2 when they were empowered. They were filled at the beginning of um, uh, Acts chapter 4. Now they are filled again with the Holy Spirit. I've already said it. Go on being filled. Lord, I pray right now for every single person here that we would be filled afresh with your wonderful Holy Spirit. That we would be equipped for ministry and witness as we go back out into our workplaces, our schools, our colleges, our families. That you would give us boldness and courage and confidence to speak and to act and to reflect you. Our Lord, I ask that in your precious name, Jesus. And then lastly, lastly, what I know, notice here is that they stepped out and they acted. It says in verse 31 that they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can pray, you can remember God's promises, you uh, can share um, with other people, you can know the source of confidence, you can see great examples of confidence, but in the end, you've just got to step out and go for it. And however much I would like it at times for God just to make me into a robot and control my voice and make him, he could speak on my behalf. It just doesn't work that way. And in the end, you just got to put that date in your diary, agree with some people that you're going to go into town, get out the car, even if you're dragging your heels a little bit, walk around the town, and in the end, open your mouth and start to talk to them if you want to see God backing you up, and if you want to grow in courage. Now for you, for some of you, you're, you're sat there thinking, Paul, I really don't get it. I find that so very, very easy. But for you, there may be other obstacles that are towering above you at the moment, and you need to send out that grappling hook of courage, connect to the top of that obstacle, and climb over it. 
I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Peter and John have given us this incredible example of courage. Challenge is, you see, just, just a few chapters later, we're going to find such a great persecution take place that the church is scattered across the region. You see, it's not a press a button and fix it forever situation. Every morning you wake up, you need to send out that grappling hook of courage as you climb over, your, over the obstacles that face you again and again. That's a life that God has called us to. And in Jesus Christ, we have this incredible example who, although faced with such opposition, pushed through, trusted his father, won a great victory, who is now seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And the Bible says that actually is where I am seated and you are are seated with authority over all things. I know at times it can look like we're looking up at our obstacles, thinking how on earth can I climb over them? When in actual fact, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, dominion and power. He is our great champion. He is our great victor. He is our great example of courage and faith. Why don't we stand? I want to pray just as we close. We've just got a couple of minutes. But I want to pray just for two different situations. One, I want to pray for you if you would like more boldness in the workplace to step out in obedience and follow Christ's prompting. So I want to pray for you guys, but I also want to pray for another group of people if you feel that you are just caught, as it were. And if if you were to describe it, you'd say you are caught at the bottom of this great wall of hopelessness and you just don't know how you will ever get through it. So there's sort of two different groups. I want to pray first just for courage for mission. So if you are in that position, I just want you to close your eyes, raise your hands. No one else will look at you. Um, but I'm just going to pray for you that you will receive fresh boldness and courage for the workplace, for the family, whatever it is, but when it comes to just sharing your faith um, with others. Thank you, Lord God, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be powerful witness. I thank you. We, we, I can have confidence as I pray right now because, Holy Spirit, you've been poured out. And one of the reasons you've been poured into our hearts is that we would have boldness and power for witness. And so I want to pray right now for everyone with their hands stretched out for power and boldness in witness. I pray, Lord God, that you'll give them great discernment on when to speak, but also when to remain quiet. I pray, Lord God, that you'll give them great boldness, though, to share about you and what you have done in their lives. Not that they'd be great theological experts, but they would be great witnesses of what you have done in their lives and in the lives of others. 
Right now, I pray just for an infusion of boldness and courage. Holy Spirit empowered. Would you come and do that right now, I pray. And I want to ask you, Lord, for everyone with their hands raised, they will have an opportunity this week to step out in faith. I pray for an opportunity this week to step out in faith. I Lord, pray, I pray, make it easy for them. I pray it be an easy step, a baby step, but I do pray for that opportunity this week. Amen. Now, just for you, if you feel just caught with walls of hopelessness, I'll just pray briefly. Lord, I just want to ask you right now for those who feel they're trapped in, just in hopeless situations and no way out of it. I ask you right now that just as the the darkness seems so thick, so overwhelming, I pray that a match of courage would be lit right now. Just one little match of courage that gives them hope. Lord, I thank you that just as one small match can dispel the darkness, so I pray for faith to be imparted right now. And whatever the cause of the hopelessness, whatever the cause of the discouragement, I pray, Lord, that it will be broken in Jesus' name and faith would start to spring to life, start to grow. And if courageous actions need to take place to break this hold of hopelessness, I ask you right now that you'll give them real wisdom and insight as to what to do to see this breakthrough. I just want to stand with them right now and pray for your grace and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. Good stuff. If you want to talk about anything that's been shared this evening, feel free to come and talk with myself, Alid, Steve. Um, we're going to finish the night up there. It's been great to uh, have you with us. If you're first time here, head over to the bar. Alid would love to buy you a drink. Um, hang around, enjoy a coffee, enjoy a drink, and uh, we'll see you again in the week. Thanks so much.